1: Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including guests Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute, and Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. It is May the 18th and on this day in 1980... Mount St. Helens, a volcanic peak in southwestern Washington, suffered a massive eruption, killing 57 people and devastating some 210 square miles of wilderness. Mount St. Helens is located in the Cascade Range and stood 9,680 feet before its eruption. The volcano had erupted periodically during the last 4,500 years, and the last active period was between 1831 and 1857, on March the 20th, 1980, noticeable volcanic activity began with a series of earth tremors centered on the ground just beneath the north flank of the mountain. These earthquakes escalated and on March the 27th, a minor eruption occurred and Mount St. Helens began emitting steam and ash through its crater and vents. Small eruptions continued daily and in April, people familiar with the mountain noticed changes in the structure of its north face. A scientific study confirmed that a bulge more than a mile in diameter was moving upward and outward over the high north slope by as much as 6 feet per day. The bulge was caused by an intrusion of magma below the surface and authorities began evacuating hundreds of people from the sparsely settled area near the mountain. A few people refused to leave. On the morning of May 18th, Mount St. Helens was shaken by an earthquake of some 5.0 magnitude and the entire north side of the summit began to slide down the mountain. The gigantic uh, landslide of rock and ice, one of the largest recorded in history, was followed and overtaken by an enormous explosion of steam and volcanic gases, which surged northward along the ground at a high speed. The lateral blast stripped trees from most hill slopes within six miles of the volcano, and leveled nearly all vegetation for as far as 12 miles away. Approximately 10 million trees had felled, were felled by the blast. The landslide debris, liquefied by the violent explosion, surged down the mountain at speeds in excess of 100 miles per hour. The avalanche flooded Spirit Lake and roared down the valley of the uh, Tula River for a distance of 13 miles, burying the river to an average depth of 150 feet. Mud flows... Uh, uh, floods, floods added to the destruction, as destroying ro- roads, bridges, parks, and thousands more acres of forest. Simultaneous with the avalanche, a vertical eruption of gas and ash formed a mushrooming column over the volcano for more than 12 miles high. Ash from the eruption fell on northeast cities and towns like snow and drifted from the globe around the globe for two weeks. 57 people, thousands of animals, and millions of fish were killed by the eruption of Mount St. Helens. By late on the afternoon of May the 18th, the eruption subsided and by early the next day it had essentially ceased. Mount St. Helens volcanic cone was completely blasted away and replaced by a horseshoe-shaped uh, crater. The mountain lost 1,700 feet from the eruption. The volcano produced five smaller explosive eruptions during the summer and fall of 1980 and remains active today. In 1982, Congress made Mount St. Helens a protected research area. Mount St. Helens became an active again in 2004. On March 8, 2005, a 36,000 foot plume of steam and ash was expelled from the mountain, accompanied by a minor earthquake. Another minor eruption took place in 2008. Though the new dome has been quickly and steadily near the top of the peak and small earthquakes are frequent, scientists don't expect a repeat of the 1980 catastrophe anytime soon. Boy, the power of Mother Nature, huh? Well, it's just unbelievable. Who will forget that? Ash going all the way to the northeast from Mount St. Helens. Well, I don't have a lot of data on this, uh, but uh, the, the elections, of course. We had some uh, primaries yesterday, and uh, in the Senate, Pennsylvania Senate, Dr. Oz leads McCormick by about two to 3,000 votes, and there may be a recount there. I don't know how that's going to end up, but it looks like Dr. Oz has the lead. Madison Cawthorn from North Carolina got defeated. There's been somewhat reports of erratic behavior recently, so he was defeated by, a, I guess, kind of a rhino guy. Anyhow, Ted Budd uh, won in North Carolina Senate primary, and Doug Bastriano was the GOP victor for governor in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, Unrelated to that, uh, uh, so those are kind of the updates that I have, but I'm sure there'll be more today as the counting continues. Uh, Michael Flynn has filed a $50 million claim against the Department of Justice for malicious prosecution. I'm so glad that he's done this. Uh, He's included a lot of folks in this, including the CIA, the FBI. Uh, He's named people. Uh, So a $50 million claim. So I I just wish him very well on this. It's unlikely that he can uh, win against the U.S. federal government, but malicious prosecution, indeed it was. He was singled out, and it was very unfair. This would be great if there was some sort of outcome that would be a message to these prosecutors that are uh, prosecuting people for crimes that uh, don't really exist. In addition, technology billionaire Elon Musk said Monday that he will be voting Republican in 2022 for the first time possibly ever. Musk classified himself as a moderate, neither Republican nor Democrat, and has overwhelmingly voted Democrat this is not some right-wing takeover, he clarified. He described his purchase of Twitter as a moderate takeover and an attempt to ensure the people of all political be- beliefs feel welcome on the digital town square and they can express their beliefs without fear of being named, banned, or shadow banned. Free speech is important for the he- for a healthy democracy, he continued, noting that free speech matters the most when it's someone you don't like saying something you don't like, he said. So right about that. Now, Twitter is facing potentially devastating lawsuits for claiming less than 5% of its users were fake or bots in its filings with the SEC. In fact, apparently, President uh, Biden has something like 20 million followers, half of which are bots or fake. In other words, there's, there's no person behind them. To report lies to the SEC is enough to take down any company and could cause it to go bankrupt if investors make decisions based on the company's financials, which they do. If found to be false, the company could be taken out. Twitter executives quit at uh, at Project Veritas as uh, Project Veritas released undercover video of a senior Twitter engineer lashing out at Elon Musk and admitting the tech giant doesn't believe in free speech. Elon Musk saw the Project Veritas undercover video of the Twitter engineer bragging about censoring conservatives and saying they're a bunch of commies. He actually said that uh, on this undercover video from Project Veritas and discussing the internal revolt against Musk. Is this legit? Musk uh, said in a tweet responding to the undercover video. Well, right now, everything is on hold with regard to Musk's uh, purchase of Twitter. But uh, this is driving down the stock price, no doubt. makes me wonder if, in fact, uh, Elon Musk will ever purchase uh, Twitter. Very bad news. And uh, actually, Twitter could be taken out by the SEC. Well, COVID-19 booster shots for elementary kids are coming. Believe this or not, yesterday the FDA authorized a third Pfizer shot for healthy 5- to 11-year-olds. Officials say the dose number three can be help provide continued protection against COVID-19. It comes as highly transmissible. Omicron sub-variants are driving a surge in parts of the country, especially the Midwest and Northeast. Yesterday, New York City raised its alert level as cases and hospitalizations are going up, putting pressure on the health system. care system. Uh, next up, the CDC is now set to meet tomorrow. That would be a guess today to decide whether to formally recommend a third dose. Meanwhile, the FDA could have a vaccine update for kids under age five as soon as next month. You know, uh, everybody should make their own decision about this. But uh, if I had a child, I would certainly not get them vaccinated. It's a just complete absurdity. Kids are not at risk for it's like the flu for crying out loud. Even if they get symptoms, they're probably not going to die from it or be hospitalized. I don't know who would stick this stuff. I just can't believe you'd stick this stuff in a little kid. <clears throat> Anyhow, the F.D. Day is, is coming. I guess they're running interference for Pfizer and other drug companies. They're big pharma. Unbelievable. Well, the film 2,000 Mules, which documents allegations of fraud during the 2020 elections, is returning to the theaters on Friday. This is good news. Linda and I watched... Uh, 2,000 Mules. It is a fantastic production. Around 400 theaters across the nation will perform a normal release with typical uh, ticket prices and multiple showings each day beginning on May the 20th. With the success of the movie, everyone's talking about the movie, a lot of independent theaters begin to call us. Hey, why didn't we have the movie in the theater, said Denise D'Souza, conservative political commentator and 2,000 Mules creator. And we were like, you know what? This is fantastic. A lot of our people love to see the movie in groups, love to see it in the theater. In fact, we've all been bombarded with people trying to organize groups. D'Souza's uh, 2000 Mules documentary alleges that the 2020 election results were altered as a result of thousands of people being paid to collect and drop off ballots at collection boxes in key swing states, including Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. The film uh, then uh, claims that cell phone geolocation tracking data shows people going near the ballot drop-off locations several times between October first and Election Day in 2020. Great film, and I encourage everybody to see it. uh, Just with these results alone, I think it demonstrates that the election was fraudulent. The results were fraudulent. Uh, This doesn't even include the information about the Dominion uh, voting machines. Well, President Joe Biden connected the racist mass shooting in Buffalo on Saturday to the protests of Trump supporters on January the 6th. The president cited January 6th riots after calling all Americans to reject white supremacy because they were making the country look bad. We can't allow them to distort America, the real America, Biden said, referring to the white supremacists. We can't allow them to destroy the soul of the nation. Biden then immediately referred to January the 6th. As president of the United States, I travel the world all the time, and other nations ask me, heads of state in other countries ask me, what's going on? What in God's name happened on January the 6th? What happened in Buffalo, Biden (laughs) says He's such a liar. The president demanded uh, that Americans condemn white supremacy, insisting that silence uh, about the issue was compliance. We have to refuse to live in a country where black people going up about a weekly grocery shopping can be gunned down by weapons of war deployed in a racist cause, he said. Biden indicated the white supremacists were acting out of a type of misguided patriotism. So he's trying to conflate uh, these mass shootings by mentally ill people, quite frankly, uh, with what he calls uh, MAGA extremism or ultra MAGA extremism. Uh, he's trying to do that, and it's not going to work. But nevertheless, nice try, uh, Mr. President Joe Biden. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show, here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly staff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. 4541.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social's a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. Bob is an author. He's also a constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Great to be with you, Bob.
1: Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute.
3: We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and devoted to free markets, private property, securing Individual rights and limited government. C A T O dot O R G on the web.
1: Thank you, Bob. Uh, so, I want to talk to you about a couple of things. But first, uh, we've uh, the governor just signed into law uh, 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 a law that uh, in Florida it's illegal to protest in front of the home of an elected official or, or in front of these uh, gu- uh, j- judges. And of course, we're seeing that as a result of the uh, leak of the. Uh, uh, draft of an opinion by Alito. I want to get your comments and thoughts. Is it going to stand up to scrutiny?
3: Well, um, the pa- the tactic politically will probably backfire. I'm not sure it's a popular thing to do. Mm. Uh, and <clears throat> there's already this counter movement uh, against the protesters to pass this law, which Governor DeSantis signed uh, um, two days ago. So there's a First Amendment question. Uh, here's the framework. Speech can be restricted as to time, place, and manner, as long as there are ample alternative channels of communications. Hmm. So clearly you, you can't you know, play your radio at a decibel level that breaks my windows at 2 a.m. Um, the First Amendment doesn't require allowing a march down Main Street during rush hour. But the courts are very reluctant to approve... Restrictions on the content of speech, for example, like help wanted ads are okay, but not political ads, mm-hmm. or protests against Mister A are okay, but not against Mister B. And the courts will never approve viewpoint restrictions. For example, pro-choice speech is okay, but not pro-life speech. So, would a home protest law be unconstitutional? Well, maybe it's time, place, and manner, um, but you know, personal residences traditionally uh, received a higher level of protection from the courts. And protests in front of a judge's home might be scrutinized more rigorously than protests at the home of, say, Senator Schumer, uh, because politicians are accountable to their constituents, whereas judges are supposed to be responsible to the law and not to the voters. The voters probably won't be permitted to protest if their intent is to impede the application of justice.
1: We'll we'll soon find out. We soon will. Uh, Thank you for that, Bob. So I want to talk to you about a couple of issues around economic liberties. And, of course, uh, in our previous discussions, we've uh, noted that uh, economic liberties are not always or almost never fundamental uh, rights. So what's the rationale for loosening occupational licensing restrictions?
3: Well, if there's one economic principle that Democrats and Republicans and libertarians should agree on, it's that competition is a good thing, and government-supported monopolies are are bad things. So, you know, that principle is the driving force behind the uh, effort to free um, vocations here in Florida, about 20 of them, from lots of government regulation. And among those were things like hair braiders and ballroom dance studios, and interior designers. And not surprisingly, many of the vocations resisted the effort um, because uh, all too often the real function of these regulations is to protect members of the industry from competition by erecting these barriers to entry. So, you know, dishing out these economic benefits to your loyal supporters, it may be the pastime of some politicians, but it, it imposes real costs on the rest of us. It eliminates economic opportunities for entrepreneurs. It drives up prices, and when the special interests um, seek favors from these uh, from the compliant uh, politicians, there's always uh, some justification. And in this instance, uh, they, these uh, regulations masquerade as standards of competence, or anti-fraud, or health and safety uh, precautions. And when they're necessary. I think even libertarians, who of course oppose most regulations, uh, will uh, will will condone uh, the regulations. So if the regulators can show that the an unlicensed practitioner, uh, when compared to a licensed uh, practitioner, engages in deceptive practices or violates uh, health and safety rules, then the government intervention may be justified. But most of the time. Uh, these concerns is just pretext to uh, stop competitors from going into business,
1: yeah, and I'll tell you these uh, lobbyists are pretty sneaky and yeah, they're pretty <laughs> they really work hard in order to get these protections, try to convince people that look this isn't safe unless it's got unless it's uh cutting hair, for example, it's not safe unless uh, you realize they're having sharp objects in their <laughs> hands, so yeah could,
3: imagine you know telling somebody where to place a pillow or what color a drape ought to be. I mean, <laughs> you'll hardly need a license to do, to do that, and it's not a health and safety requirement.
1: Yeah. Can you give us an example of unnecessary licensing in Florida?
3: Yeah, this this interior, uh, interior designer licensing scheme, you know, <clears throat> under the uh, regulations in Florida, which were revised in 2020, uh, thanks to our governor, uh, the state required interior designers to obtain a college degree from an accredited program and serve a two-year apprenticeship and pass a, a licensing exam. And that was billed as a safeguard against uh, incompetence. It, it's hard to imagine, really. Sixty uh, percent of Florida's roughly 2,500 licensed interior designers were grandfathered in. So, you know, where was the safety issue with them? Yeah. And further, if the practice of interior design really need to be regulated, it was news to all the other states, 47 of them had no licensing uh, prerequisites, and Florida had no evidence that unregulated practice of interior design presented any uh, public welfare uh, concerns, and no evidence that licensing uh, designers led to a better job performance or Greater safety or fewer building code violations uh, or otherwise benefit the public so you know it, instead of focusing on these on, on better consumer service, what happens is these entrenched interests with clout manipulate the law, consorting with uh, the legislators and their staff and the best lobbying firms that money can buy
0: mm. and these
3: these special interest laws advance the private interests of favored competitors, and that's how monopoly power is born and it's nurtured at public expense. And it would have been in Florida but for the efforts of some conservative governments who uh, who uh, saw to it that some of these regulations were repealed. A government has no business enacting arbitrary regulations to protect the profits of some privileged uh, companies, especially when the effect is higher prices for the rest of us and narrower choices and and a lot fewer firms that get started by uh, the entrepreneurial class. So all, all these licensing requirements are a bad thing. It's a good thing that we're getting getting rid of them in some states, including Florida.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I do recall reading about uh, a raid of a barber shop in Orlando looking for people who didn't have the proper accreditation to be a barber. You know, Bob, you know, a young kid says, Dad, can I give you a haircut? He does a nice job. His dad says, hey, nice job, son. Why don't you cut your uncle's hair? And before you know it, this kid's got a a business, you know. (laughs) He's a barber, but he can't do that. Well, I guess maybe things have improved since then, but uh, it's just unbelievable that uh, the barriers that governments can throw up in order to prevent progress.
3: Yeah, it is. And, again, if those barriers were justified for health and safety reasons, then I think even uh, folks who believe in free markets would condone government regulation. But frequently, we're dealing with pretext
1: and not real justification. So, so true. Bob, Levy, again. Chairman of the Cato Institute, I encourage you to visit the uh, very robust website, Cato.org, dot Bob, I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Great talking to you, Bob.
1: Thank you so much. All right, coming up, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com That's IamDesignedToHeal.com Or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817 That's 322-3817 Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. And you can find out more by visiting the website, GulfShorePlayhouse.org. We have with us Andrew Joppa. Andy's a professor. He's also an author of a terrific read. It's called Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Andy, always appreciate your commentary here on the show, and you usually start off with some good news. Andy, I think there's a lot of good news out there. What do, you, what do you think? Well,
2: sometimes I have to fake the good news, but I think today I actually have some real good news, Bob. Uh, first of all, the, uh, the, uh, the Netflix uh, circumstance with the CEO of Netflix, Reed Hastings, uh, and chairman of the board, uh, he indicated that if the employees of Netflix are unwilling to deal with controversial material, let's call it unwoke material, that they can leave Netflix. So it was one of the first time a major company, um, such as Netflix, a uh, entertainment company, has really laid down the law that the employees are not going to determine what they do, that there is a business to be uh, maintained. And I think that Reed Hastings is, has laid down the law and really said clearly, uh, if you don't want to do your job, you can leave Netflix. That's, to me, that's a real good news story. I think it'll give other CEOs courage in comparable manners. Uh, another good story, and this one has not been given the play that it, that it really dese- uh, deserves. Uh, California had passed legislation that uh, required um, corporations in California to have women on their board of directors in varying numbers uh, based on certain circumstances. Uh, Judge Maureen Duffy Lewis... Um, ruled recently uh, that that was totally unconstitutional, uh, and that could not take place. Now, to me, the more important thing uh, that was uh, uh, authored in that uh, ruling by by Lewis, Duffy Lewis, uh, is that she said... Uh, that the state had not proven any discrimination had taken place. Now, the importance of that is affirmative action cases are not based on proven discrimination. They are based on disparate impact. In other words, if the numbers do not line up with the numbers uh, in the population that is under consideration, that is a de facto discrimination. The fact that uh, Duffy Lewis... Uh, rule that there was no measurable discrimination was a major step forward in terms of how we process uh, these affirmative action type of circumstances. So well, let me just stop there and see if you have any comments.
1: Yeah, no, well, first of all, affirmative action is a blight on our legal system. And uh, should be done away with because there's absolutely no place for affirmative action. You know, again, it gets back to the whole notion of color of your skin and identity politics. That that is complete nonsense. The other comment I want to make is about your Netflix uh, commentary, which I think is terrific. If if uh, I think any company right now should say, look, this is, our purpose is to serve shareholders and to serve our customers and to provide the best products and services possible. Uh, politics will have nothing to do with it. And if you harbor political views that you want to voice here, uh, it will lead to your termination. Uh, We can all have strong beliefs about anything, and you can do that personally and on your own time and in your own place, but you're not going to do it here in the company, or it will lead to your termination. Period. End of story. I think that would be the appropriate approach for anybody Uh, any company right now, because what it would do is instead of being blindsided by issues and having to respond and react, there would be a clear policy in place that would help people make decisions.
2: Well, again, both, both of these circumstances, Bob, were, uh, were game changers or potential game changers. So I think they're, they're really uh, uh, much more important stories than the media certainly has, has given them weight for. Uh, but again, I, I hope that these get extended in terms of their implication. Uh, as I pointed out and you pointed out, these are... These are major uh, circumstances that can affect the uh, Netflix, the entire uh, corporate responses to uh, employee challenges, uh, the woke employees, and again, the affirmative action uh, type of ruling where Uh, discrimination has to be proven, not just based on statistical uh, numbers. So uh, very important, uh, very important circumstances. I would also mention last week we talked about 2,000 mules. I indicated to you at that point I had not seen it. I have now seen it. Now, uh, it is so well done, so... Uh, well documented, that there seems to be an uh, actionable process here yeah. in terms of legal action sure uh, the, there are crimes that were recorded in the uh, in the D- Souza uh, documentary and i 'd like to see uh, the, the the legal system start to take action on the uh, information that the souza was able to compile about the uh, irregularity of, of voting by uh, stuffing, uh, stuffing ballot boxes, boxes. And,
1: and not only do they have proof that it happened but i also have a video of it happening i mean the, the so there's facial recognition all kinds of things that can happen as a result andy i appreciate that endorsement i talked about it earlier in the show and i just encourage and now the good news it's being brought to theaters uh over 400 theaters across the country i hope you can watch it on your own personal computer or you can watch it in a theater but the point is you need to see 2000 mules by denise D'Souza.
3: I mean, what what he
2: does is so undeniable, and it's uh, not a, not its implication, and what he what he documents uh, beyond any reasonable doubt. This is a, a, a so uh, effectively done process in monitoring the uh, the mules, as uh, the the Sousa calls them, the those that are transporting these ballots to uh, multiple drop boxes across counties in uh, in Georgia, for uh, for example, uh, and other states also. This was not limited to Georgia. And again, I'd like to see the law get involved with using this information as a way of, of pursuing some of the, uh, the, uh, the people that were involved with this process. I think that would be an important step forward. Um, moving on to not good news, but just a, a point of interest, the, the Congress-initiated uh, UFO hearings um, uh, I don't believe it'll produce anything of, of, of exciting or interesting value. Uh, I think it's probably a good thing to do, but uh, it would lead nowhere. I would like to tell your audience, I had seen a UFO uh, back in 1984. There was a longstanding uh, series of reports of UFOs flying over Yorktown Heights, New York, uh, both in a cross-formation uh, and a, a shape formation. Uh, as I was going back from work late one night, I saw this V-shaped formation. It happened to be moving in the same general direction I was driving. As I looked at it, I could see it was a grouping of very many aircraft uh, that they had got together and were actually committing a hoax. Now, I'm not suggesting all UFO reports are of that same nature, uh, a hoax that was constructed by whoever, whoever might do that. Uh, but in my particular case, my UFO, I could see, uh, was a hoax. And yet, there were reports for several years about this happening with nobody, uh, in my estimation, documenting the obvious, that this was obviously a hoax,
1: Bob. Well, whatever is being seen, I just hope they're friendly. <laughs> we don't need more warfare on the, on our planet. So, Andy, uh, look, I have so many, so many other topics that I'd like to talk to you about. Can you stick around? I'll be here, Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show, here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network.
1: Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples-only vitality and longevity practice, where acupuncture... Medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com That's IamDesignToHeal.com, or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help.
0: Bob
1: Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting the website, vfga.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus Savaz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be with you. Thank you, Andy. So uh, let's pick up uh, with us. We've talked about affirmative action. Uh, This Karine Jean Pierre is now our new press secretary. And I'd just be interested in your response, especially in light of affirmative action.
2: Well, you know, she opened up her remarks on her first day on the job by describing her qualifications. She was black, an immigrant, and a lesbian. Uh, Now, we would hope that there'd be something beyond that. Obviously, there proved to be very little. Uh, Peter Ducey asked her a question about the implication of uh, increased corporate taxation in terms of lowering inflation. He says, he basically asked her, how can that possibly happen? Uh, He asked the question twice. She gave him a a, a grouping of word salad answers, very similar to Kamala Harris' type of answer. Uh, She was... Was, in my estimation, totally unprepared for a, a very basic question that any uh, first-year economics student could have at least answered in a reasonable manner. She was not able to give anything significant in terms of that response. So we have to see. Maybe it's It's uh, nervousness on the first day on the job. Let's give her a chance, and I'm going to do that because I have no choice in the matter. Uh, but again, I think we saw a person who was not really. Uh, equipped in terms of information to handle that job, at least at this point, Bob. Uh, the other comment I have is about Ketanji Brown Jackson, the, uh, the um, appointee now to the Supreme Court, confirmed uh, nominee to the Supreme Court. Uh, Jackson was recently asked about her view on the, uh, on the leak from the Supreme Court, and she indicated she could not comment. Now, again, this was, uh, had already been a, a statement made by Just, uh, Chief Justice Roberts, uh, that this leak was just totally unacceptable and an affront to the Supreme Court. Uh, but she was not willing to make any statement condemning this. She was also asked about her view on the uh, the protests outside the uh, the justices' home. And once again, she said she could not comment, even though these protests were in violation of federal law. Uh, so I think we're looking at a uh, a future that is going to be dominated by no, dominated too strong, influenced uh, by these type of actions and words by by Ketanji Brown Jackson. So uh, again, I'm not optimistic to uh, to what her role will be on the court. Bob,
1: is there any reason why uh, she, would, since she's a justice, associate justice in waiting, that she would uh, want to clam up on any of these issues? In other words, would, would it be appropriate for her to clam up, or is it just that? She just didn't want to comment.
2: It was suggested that it may, in fact, uh, be part of future cases. But as I indicated, uh, Justice Roberts had already uh, made public statements uh, condemning the leak. And as far as the. the protests outside the chief Justice, not the Chief Justice, but the Justice's home uh, these are these are illegal actions and she certainly was in her right uh, just a as a pending Supreme Court appointee uh, to in fact make make uh, comments about that so um, I think that it's indefensible in my estimation uh, someone else who's more legally astute might have a different viewpoint, but I think she could have at least offered uh, significant statements that uh, suggested these were inappropriate actions, both of them, Bob.
1: So interesting. Well, thank you for uh, those comments, Andy. So uh, let's move to the uh, primary results. And uh, what are your thoughts, uh, any any thoughts at all about uh, how how it turned out?
2: Well, my major thoughts were going to be about the the Oz McCormick uh, primary, Senate primary in Pennsylvania. Uh, That, at this point, is still pending uh, because of a breakdown in the printout in some strange way and the Pennsylvania laws that bar uh, opening up and recording any mailed-in ballots until the actual day of the election. Now, 37 states allow that to happen, but Pennsylvania has as insisted that that is the way they want to go. So right now there is still a significant number of uncounted uh, mail-in ballots. Uh, these mail-in ballots, I believe, will tend to favor McCormick, uh, only in the sense that the, uh, the Trump endorsement of Oz came very late, or somewhat late in the process. Hmm. Uh, many of these mail-in ballots would have been mailed in prior to that endorsement. So uh, I think they might be slightly skewed towards... Uh, towards McCormick. Now, with only uh, less than half a percent separating them, um, it may, in fact, swing this uh, to McCormick. Uh, but I think no matter how it plays out, it's going to trigger a recount, which would take place at, uh, at half a percent or less separating the, uh, the leading candidates. So uh, in terms of um, uh, Barnett, um, I, I think she uh, sealed her own fate when she indicated that she would not support the other Republican, if if she lost the um, the primary, um, I think you know she has to realize, and I think all candidates have to realize that right now we can fight our battles in the primaries, and uh, pretty much there's all all gloves are off in the in the primaries. But when it comes to the general election, we've got to produce the numbers going into uh, into Washington for her not to realize the context of this situation and say she would not support uh, either one of the can- other candidates if they defeated her, I think lacks an understanding of the political process, Bob.
1: Absolutely. Uh, how about Mastriano winning in Pennsylvania? I think that was a pretty, uh, uh, another another Trump-endorsed uh, candidate. Uh, and of course, he is being pilloried by uh, the, the whole notion that he believes that the uh, election was illegitimate, and we're talking about uh, November 3rd. Was illegitimate, and uh, so you know they, they call him kind of a wild-eyed extremist, that kind of thing. But nevertheless, you know, what are that, your thoughts? That's what
2: they call him. But again, that puts him in mainstream America for the most part. Right. Uh, I think most Americans believe there were elements of uh, of a um, uh, fraud. If if not fraud of, uh, of errors in computation of various sorts, uh, so that that was uh, i don 't think that is a major problem in any sense in the in the general election. Um, I think that Mestriano um, won uh, significantly, and I think he was probably always slated to win. but I think the size of the victory being so enormous uh, has to be attributed to uh, to the Trump endorsement. Uh, Trump did have a couple of uh, of defeats, probably the most notable. Uh, Trump, this was not Trump being defeated. That's the way the left would phrase this. Uh, Madison Cawthorn was defeated uh, uh, by his primary challenger in North Carolina. I think most of that were due to uh, some uh, a variety of irregularities in, in Cawthorn's uh, construct over the, the term of his two years, two years in office. So uh, I think that was a difficult endorsement to bring home, uh, and I think there was no reflection at all on, uh, on, uh, on Trump. Uh, Trump had also backed uh, Bud in the Senate primary, and in fact, uh, Bud won there. So I, I think there were uh, two losses that, uh, that Trump endorses had. Uh, but again, I think uh, before those occurred, he was then standing at 75 to 1, an amazing uh, uh, sk- uh, uh, focused uh, endorsement process uh, based on Trump endorsements.
1: What do you think about Oz?
2: I don't know I,
1: I neither do I. I mean I think just something just doesn't add up I'm with us. I, I'm not I don't know that he would, he deserved the endorsement of uh, of Trump but irrespective I mean he made his decision and
2: I have been listening to the comments of people that have known him for years they they all attest to his uh, integrity, uh the quality of his uh, the humanness um and I, you know, I have to go with that at this point. Uh, I, I think he's probably a decent man. I became turned off on uh, on Oz when on his show he would endorse over-the-counter. Um, uh, products that I thought he had no right to endorse, and he was in a money-making process. That that bothered me. It still bothers me that he would be involved with that kind of uh, faux endorsement of of products that were of minimal value. On the other hand, the guy is one of the leading cardio surgeons in America. Uh, he's obviously a brilliant man. Uh, I think he brings something to the uh, to the Senate that. Uh, uh, is needed a moderate Muslim voice uh, that I think is uh, is needed. You know how I feel about Islam, but I think that uh, in his case he'll he'll bring that moderate Muslim voice into the Senate if he if he gets there, Bob.
1: A uh, great commentary Andy. so uh, we're we going to take another break Can you stick around.
2: You have to get rid of these sponsors, Bob.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Andy. <laughs> we're gonna have more on the Bob here on the Bob Harden show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob
1: Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We continue our conversation with Andrew Joppa, again, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, again, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be here, Bob. So Andy, uh, the shooting, uh, it, that occurred in Buffalo, New York, and uh, the president's reactions—just unbelievable, conflating extremism and white supremacy with with uh, the, the, uh, with MAGA. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, Air Force One was uh, warming up their engines before the the process was even uh, defined by the police in Buffalo. And, and uh, Biden was on his way, as was to be anticipated. He has politicized this to the to the highest degree. He said that white supremacists will not win. Of, of course, this is an 18-year-old crazy kid uh, who, in fact, uh, was well well documented by the uh, the authorities as as having authored a uh, a death threat against his fellow students at his high school. Somehow, he got lost in the shuffle. Uh, the left has suggested that he was uh, under the influence of Tucker. Carlson, and he was on the far right, uh, he himself, this is Peyton Gendron, has defined himself as a racist, echo fascist uh, He has rejected, uh, he called himself a, a left-wing authoritarian. Uh, he has rejected conservatism. Uh, so, again, the, but the left ignores all of those details uh, and blames the political right, particularly Tucker Carlson, uh, as having been causal in this. The president goes there, and as he always does, he, he personalizes the the tragedy, this horrible tragedy at Buffalo by invoking his family's tragedy, uh, as if he is the only person in the world who's had those things. I, I don't know anyone in in, in my uh, frame of reference, Bob, who has not had family tragedies of one sort or the other. So that doesn't document any insights that may be particularly penetrating. Uh, he, in fact, of course, called for restriction on, on, on guns. The, uh, the, the governor of, of New York called for suppressions of, of free speech. So, again, this is a typical leftist event. I, I hate to say this, but I, I, would, I feel it, I'll say it, uh, that there was almost a, a joy uh, when they found out that this was uh, in any way interpretable as a uh, a right wing shooting, even though it was obviously not. So I think this is a a very typical Democrat situation. I don't think they'll gain any traction. As a matter of fact, I hope because of the way uh, Biden approached this, uh, I hope that it actually hurts them because it should hurt them. There were a couple of interesting uh, comments, and I'll I'll mention them from yesterday, a a couple of uh, quotations. Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana, one of my, my favorite senators, when talking about Biden yesterday, says you can lead a man to the presidency, but you can't make him think so i thought
1: that was a spot on <laughs> I heard uh, that that's good
2: <laughs> elon musk indicated uh night quite as 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 cute as as kennedy's remark but he said the real president is whoever controls the teleprompter yeah the path to power is the path to the teleprompter so this is a, a horrible event that it, it, sh- it should have been experienced by all americans in that regard but again, and there was no doubt as to exactly what would happen once it came it, it became known that this kid had any any type of comment that would align him with the political right of.
1: yeah, I just again the pr- president to me, my reaction of course i'm I'm pretty well I feel informed about what's going on in the country number one, and number two, I just shake my head and say. say Boy, it's so pathetic. He is so, and I'm talking about the president of the United States. His comments are so, they're lies, they're deceptive, they're not truthful. And uh, I just can't believe that fellow Americans in any way could be influenced by what he's saying. I think the polls, though, are demonstrating that. His popularity continues to plummet. Of course, so time inflation continues to rage on as well, and as well as the other problems that we're having on the border and, and elsewhere. Uh, I, I just don't, I don't think even this Hail Mary is going to help him.
2: Well, and the interesting statistic that I, I came across was that uh, if we break down America into groups, and I don't do that, but the, the left does, uh, the only measurable group that's white males that actually commits less mass shootings than the, their percentage in the population is the white male population. So, again, because it's such a large population, there's more from the white male population. But, again, as a proportion of that population, white males have the lowest level of of mass shootings. Now, uh, to me, that means nothing, what I just said. But, again, that's the type of statistic the left would provide if it favored their viewpoint.
1: Absolutely. Andy, before I let you go, I want to see if you have any comments about what's happening in Ukraine and the $40 billion uh, windfall that... uh, Uh, Zelensky's going to receive from, uh, hopefully, uh, will not receive, but will probably receive from from Congress.
2: Forty billion and much more promised in the uh, in the potential that that lies ahead. Um, I think that uh, if we look, and I think this is vastly understated. That Putin had, and by the way, I'm not justifying the invasion when I say what I'm going to say, Bob, but if we go back to the starting point when Yeltsin uh, was president of the Russian Republic, he was corrupt, he was an authoritarian, he had allowed the oligarchs coming out of communism to dominate his society. That was in the latter part of the 1990s. Putin took over in that environment. The economy was collapsing. Russia was in a state of of, uh, social despair. Uh, He brought that country back to a point of significance. Uh, and again, what he was looking at, Putin, and this is not justifying what he's doing, but again, when the when the republics dropped away from the old Soviet Union, there were millions of Russian citizens trapped, as Putin would have it, inside those republics. Mm-hmm. They were now citizens without a country, so to speak. So Putin, ever since the latter part of the 90s, has been dedicated to trying to, let's call it, rescue these Russians from those, uh, those old parts of the Soviet Union. Union. Now, that doesn't, again, I mean, I keep repeating this, but I want to make it clear. I'm not endorsing the the invasion, but I think we have to understand uh, who Putin was and what he was thinking. And it wasn't just some crazed act uh, of aggression. Mm -hmm. For, For Putin's mindset, it was an intentional act to retrieve Russian population, in this case, in
3: Ukraine, Bob.
1: Such an interesting comment and and a great commentary as well, Andy. So, I mean, my hope is we've got so many problems here. We don't have 30... $1 trillion dollar billion dollars 40 billion dollars to give to ukraine we have problems here at home we have to borrow the money wherever we where whatever we use it we're gonna to have to borrow that money anyhow so I,
2: I keep hearing that we could have done better things with the money let, let me just my point is i don't care if there was anything we could have done with that money that was better i think it is inherently a, a destructive phenomenon to uh, put that much war weaponry into offensive weaponry into the hands of ukraine it'll just result i made this comment before on your show. It'll just kill more Ukrainians, destroy more infrastructure, kill more Russians. Where are the where are the demands for a negotiated settlement? Where is the where are the peacemakers in this process? I, I don't see any that are that are uh, that are uh, on the uh, horizon at this point.
1: Bob. You know what? That, that is the major point. Uh, I, I, I firmly believe that if we had not financed this thing in the first place, that there would probably be some sort of peace settlement at this point, and things would have moved on. But uh, we financed it, and unfortunately, we continue to make the same mistakes. We are now in Somalia. It's just unbelievable. And if you're going to leave on that point, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show, Andy. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk so All right, thank you. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, we've got some uh, great guests Uh, For tomorrow's show, including Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, always look forward to his commentary. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. Michael Cannon is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. And Keith Flaw is the uh, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. So we have a great show lined up for you tomorrow. I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Bob Harden at hotmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends and uh, visit our advertisers. I'm sure they'll appreciate that as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
0: Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.